Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm Jacob Barr, and today I'm joined by Jarrell with Heartbeat International. And today we're going to talk about the window of providing services to a woman who is choosing abortion, especially for women who are choosing the medication form of abortion. So Jarrell, I'm excited to have you on the podcast with, with me again. Um, would you introduce yourself to those who may not know you and who are listening on their commute and somehow on this podcast <laughs> who don't happen to know you? Because I think most people who are on here will, will know who you are. Well, I hope so. I've been around a good long time, Jacob. I've known you for a long time. I appreciate the friendship that we've had. And uh, I, I got started in the, in the pregnancy help movement actually in the very early 90s and have been involved. I was a board member as a local volunteer in a local center in South Florida. Uh, and then I, I went full-time in this work in 1996, uh, became on, went on staff with that very same center, and then moved to Colorado uh, in 1999, where I became the executive director of a center, was there for seven years, and then came to Heartbeat International, where I get to, to work in the pregnancy help movement and uh, across the pregnancy help movement, both nationally and internationally, and it's been a privilege to do that uh, for this many years now. Awesome. So... So I think what we're going to be talking about today is the window of intervention. Tell me, tell me, what are your thoughts on this? Or how do you want to begin this conversation about the window of intervention and the speed to service? Well, the, what, this idea of that there is a window of intervention is something that, that the pregnancy help movement has been operating in from the very beginning. I mean, we go back, you know, the, the idea that a woman finds herself to be pregnant now back in the day. Uh, you know, years ago, it was actually rather difficult to determine that she was pregnant. And so she would have to go to the doctor. It was a, you know, as a lab is actually a, a, a laboratory test uh, that had to be done. She had to wait, you know, for a few days, at least uh, for her, her response. And so the idea of pregnancy help kind of grew up around that is like, well, while you're waiting, let's let's talk about what your options are. And then then that changed a little bit when the uh, the tests, you know, the the personal tests that now, you know, or became available over the counter, it was easy to do, then it then it became uh, cheap enough for pregnancy centers to start offering that pregnancy test. So instead of them going to the doctor, they could actually come in and, uh, and take the test uh, uh, right in their in the in the pregnancy centers. Uh, office or with uh, the the professional and you know the not the professionals then at that time more the counselors kind of a self administered test and then as time we we get we get medical services coming in we have nurses that are a part of this and then they they have more healthcare professionals that can actually administer the the pregnancy test um, but in time the pregnancy test itself becomes ubiquitous it's something that you can actually pick up over the counter or even in a dollar store somewhere and so. The, but the decision making around the test and around what was happening is she always had to take a step. She always, if she wanted an abortion, she had to schedule the abortion. She had to make that, you know, call and, and schedule that with the abortionist, go to that particular uh, uh, office or, or a doctor or whatever. And so there was this window of time that was at least days. And of course, in her, in her pregnancy, she's, she's, she doesn't, depending upon when she finds out, she doesn't have to usually make an immediate decision. She has the had the luxury of 
days, maybe even weeks where she could do that and, and without significant um, either financial penalty or uh, problem physiologically. Of course, you know, the further along she is, then the more expensive that can become as far as an abortion is concerned. So we normally dealing with days, maybe even weeks. Well, what we have is in 2000, when we have the uh, RU46 that uh, gets um, uh, basically approved by the, the FDA that was uh, driven by the uh, Clinton White House at the time. Uh, we have chemical abortion entering in this, you know, developed in France, now is on the shores of the U.S. And as we've seen that grow, and, and, and uh, Jacob, our, our understanding of this just multiplied when we uh, took on the abortion pill rescue network, which we did about five years ago. And I suddenly saw the fact that that not only was abortion pill growing, it was growing at a use. It was growing at an exponential rate. So we we have, uh, you know, going back a, a handful of years, there's only about 11 percent usage. And then suddenly it was 37 uh, percent usage. And then we, we realized uh, just not too long ago that as of 2020, that 54 percent of all abortions were chemical abortions. And so now what's happening is uh, it, she doesn't have to necessarily wait for an appointment to be on the table with a surgical abortion. You know, these are things that can be accessed much quicker. And so nevertheless, though, the FDA rule and regulation, what they call uh, REMS, which involves risk and emergency management, uh, they had a rule that was really required her to go see the doctor and be, be, be um, seen, and sometimes that can be done telehealth. So she still had to present to a doctor to get uh, kind of uh, satisfy the rules of the FDA. Well, with COVID, they, uh, the abortion industry relaxed, uh, sought for the relaxation of the rules for REMS because of the proximity concerns, you know, with the concerns at the time about the infectious nature of COVID and, and how uh, proximity was a great concern. And so the FDA relaxed the rules at that time, allowing for greater, quicker access to the chemical abortion with less medical oversight. Then you have the, the Biden administration basically formalizing that uh, in 2021, December of 2021. And, and from what we've seen is that is they basically have moved a lot of that instead of going to a physician, getting an appointment to then be prescribed uh, a, a medical abortion or a chemical abortion, uh, the abortion pill regimen. She can do that even now online. She can do that with, with minimal, um, uh, 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 effort really, and have that either delivered to her door or made available, uh, you know, through, you know, through some other means. So, in essence, what has happened is the abortion industry has been lowering, intentionally lowering the friction in her decision making, so that they can speed her up. And as we know, the tactics of the abortion industry are to hurry her into that decision, uh, so that so that one that they get paid. And two, that she's able, she makes that as soon as possible. She makes that decision as quickly as possible. That's rather efficient uh, 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 services. That's that makes their their costs less, makes their profit more. Uh, but the reality is, is it rushes a woman into a decision. And what and if she's being rushed into that decision, so for instance, uh, she finds out she's pregnant. Uh, or thinks she's pregnant, she goes online, she can order the abortion uh, and really have it within a matter almost of hours, like uh, just a couple of days. And so from a 
pregnancy center perspective, that that's a that's a window of intervention that that has been shrinking and continues to shrink, even as our own uh, Biden White House uh, is now in the abortion business, referring uh, uh, referring those even through a dot gov through abortion. Referring abortion clinics even through a .gov portal. So we we know that uh, ever since the FDA ruling in 2021, there have been more and more uh, online efforts to to sell chemical abortion. This you know everything from Plan C and all that they're doing, and you know uh, um, uh, there's a whole host of them that are are out there that are now basically. Uh, make, making abortion chemical abortion available to women as as quickly as they can. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, well, some people that are listening may not know what Plan C is, which is the at-home abortion, essentially is the medical abortion, and which is based off of the main Plan B, which is like the morning after pill. Um, And uh, But yeah, just for clarity there. So what are your thoughts on, what's the response? Or what are your thoughts on how pricey clinics and how what we should do as well, pregnancy clinics offering services, like how does that impact who we are and what, we do, what we're trying to do or how we're trying to respond to this closing window or the, the efficiency levels increasing? Yeah, well, one is it, is it makes her ability to access abortion nearly uh, 24-7, right? Nearly around the clock, um, which means that she can, she can start her research and purchase her abortion in an, in an incredibly short amount of time. Now that so that means that there's less ability to market to her. She you know fewer are, are agonizing over the research and the decision over days. They're they're um, really being I think being manipulated by the other uh, uh, by the other side essentially by the abortion industry to make a quick decision to hurry it up. And so that in effect. Uh, increases her likelihood of choosing abortion and decreases our ability to step into her decision-making process with her, which means we need to be quicker to provide speed to service. Now, our movement in, in pregnancy help has basically been built around, largely around a volunteer model. Um, not that we're all volunteers. That's not been true for a number of years, but where we rely heavily on volunteers over the over the years and decades. And that means those volunteers that have been available, when are they available? Well, uh, in the U.S., we have a f- phenomenal uh, community that's very charitable, willing to give of their time. But they, they primarily do that because, you know, their kids are in school. Uh, and so that that means that the the regular business hours or school hours are the most likely hours for pregnancy centers to be open. Sure, we'd have some, maybe some evening hours, maybe, you know, maybe we had some Saturday morning hours, uh, but generally we were built to accommodate a volunteer workforce. Now, I, again, I know how we got here, uh, but what we what we begun to find is that that is inconsistent with how people are searching for uh, the abortion pill in particular. That that might have been a, a really good uh, kind of parallel to the surgical abortion model, but when we're watching what's happening with chemical abortion, we're seeing something entirely different. So I can tell you from the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, whereas uh, when I look at the week, when I look at the call volume for the week, uh, it starts out uh, Probably, you know, Monday is uh, is is certainly better than Sunday as far as call volume, but it grows from there and it gets stronger to where the the most 
calls that we get are either on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday uh, for the abortion pill reversal, which means that those are women that have just taken the abortion pill. Like they, you know, like they have completed the decision process and now they're, now they're, they're in the midst of taking that. But when I look at the hours open and we did a study in, that we published in 2022 for hours open at a pregnancy center, we find that, 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 uh, the weekly calendar actually is reverse of that uh, volume. We see uh, good, you know, good hours. Set, almost eighty percent of the centers are open on Monday. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, about a little more than eighty percent of the centers have some hours on those days. But then Friday is when it drops off substantially. It drops to about forty-two percent of the of the centers have of hours open. And then Saturday drops into about the 20% range when you have, uh, when, when many, actually many abortion clinics are open on Saturdays for uh, those that are still receiving patients or looking to receive patients. So as we're in this post-row world, we're, we need to reevaluate how do we reach her and how do we reach her beyond our hours open? And so there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, one is that we, we are, uh, better at our marketing. And I know that's something close to your heart. Another thing is that we are able to connect and care for her quicker, which means that we're able to answer her call or receive her chat, connect with her uh, around the clock. Now, the good news is Option Line is helping do that. That's been something that we've had and there are other, a handful of other hotlines that are able to help with that as well. Uh, but I'm convinced that every pregnancy center needs to do more. One is we need to look to be open a few more hours at the very least, like find a way to make the building, the brick and mortar, uh, more of a of a tool than it has been. If it's, if it's been, if it's continually closed on Fridays, then open, open up on Fridays, at least some hours. If it's possible to open up on Saturdays, then open up on Saturdays. And that may not mean opening the building and, and turning on the lights and get angry, but it may mean that we are making a team of, of uh, advocates available for interaction, for ministry. It may make it may mean making an opportunity for those that are able to engage, maybe not through the brick and mortar, but who now can interact with people through chat uh, or through or phone calls so that they're creating that that personal connection and and they're doing it much faster than when they are, are waiting to schedule someone for an appointment in the building. Yes, we want to get them to the ultrasound. Yes, we want to get them in the building. Yes, we want to connect with them in that face-to-face -face reality. But tools like uh, uh, like we're using now, where we can do video conferencing, we can talk to each other, we can see each other, uh, facial expressions, not or, or just the old-fashioned uh, phone calls that we, we used to rely on early on in the movement when we were trying to create those connections earlier. These are things that we're, we're encouraging and have already seen some movement in that direction. Yeah, so I'm wondering for the people who are calling the APR network on Saturday, did they have an appointment on Saturday and they took their first pill on Saturday? Or is that a very likely scenario plus those who may have gotten the pill on Friday and they waited until Saturday? Or I guess it I would I would guess the abortion clinic is telling them to take the pill after they leave or before they leave and then to continue on with the regiment over a period of time. So that might mean that those yeah, were so that, Friday. Yeah, go ahead. So so that is true uh, as of two and a half years ago. 
two and a half years ago, that's exactly what happened, that the, the doctor was required to see them in person. That was a part of the FDA REMS. And so uh, we, we saw this actually played out in the, in the movie Unplanned uh, that was uh, featuring Abby uh, Johnson's story where, you know, she is the clinic director of a Planned Parenthood. And you can see there's a couple of instances. In fact, uh, to me, that was one of the most striking things that came out of that movie, were the, of which there were many, right? There were some really difficult scenes, but important ones to watch. But to me, one of the most difficult one of, ones was conveyed by a brown paper bag. And one of the last scenes in the movie is a very young looking girl. I swear she looks 15 or, or maybe she's 16. And, and what she does is stands there at the counter and takes the first bill and then walks out with the second pill that of the abortion pill protocol uh, from that clinic. But the reality now, Jacob, is that these pills are being delivered to her uh, without the, the clinic. So yes, she may be instructed on how to take them, but she's not having to go to the clinic to take them. She's now taking them in the, you know, theoretically in the privacy of her own home. We hope it's 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 her own desire to do that and not someone else's being being forced upon her. Um, but even then, she's doing that in maybe her dorm room or her home. And so the idea is that she takes the first pill and then she's supposed to take the next pill uh, within 24 or in, a, in about 24 hours because the first pill is mifepristone. It's designed it's designed to essentially starve the baby from the progesterone needed to continue. And then the second pill, the misoprostol, is designed to come in and expel the baby uh, so that uh, this is what they're facing with. This is some of the scenes that we saw in Unplanned uh, that Abby herself experienced. So our challenge, so at, at Abortion Pill Rescue Network, when we're talking to her, she has already taken that first pill and she's already in the midst of aborting that, that child. And so now the opportunity for us is to intervene on that. But I'm saying is that the, the window of intervening in her decision making needs to happen uh, more robustly than simply business hours Monday through Thursday. We need to get to get more agile in how we're serving. We need to be able to um, answer the phones, the phone, the phone referrals. Like so, for instance, Option Line is is talking to more than a thousand people every single day, uh, connecting them with pregnancy help centers all over the country. Uh, we, if possible, and we do have this with some centers. You know, do they have a team that's willing to talk to someone who's who is who's at risk for abortion, who's in that place where she needs to talk to someone now about, she can't wait for the appointment. Uh, well, she, she may not wait. For, let me say that she, not that she can't, but she may not wait for the appointment uh, that might, might happen next Tuesday at two o'clock. She needs to talk to someone now so that that relationship can begin building, that the opportunity to intervene uh, can begin happening. And again, Option Line is doing some of that. Uh, we're helping where we can, certainly overnights and weekends we've done. But my conviction is that every pregnancy help center uh, needs to begin to to be rethinking their service model so that they can begin to explore some new technologies to help them develop teams that can reach uh, those that are in their community and even beyond their community uh, more effectively apart from the actual hours that their physical brick and mortar center is open. Yeah, I think a likely story would be that if a young woman is picking on when to start the abortion pill, if she's in school, she'll probably pick a Friday to start it because that way she doesn't miss school and has the weekend to to feel terrible. 
And so that, that's by the way that I agree, Jacob. That's the that's what we're seeing is that was when the those are the times when the abortionists were deciding on the appointments. And so that only makes sense that when she's making that determination, she would have the same rationale, right? She's, she knows her calendar. She knows that classes aren't happening on, on Saturday and Sunday. So if she starts it on late Thursday or, or on Friday, then she's going to, hopefully, she's going to complete her abortion over the weekend. Now, you and I know uh, from, the, from the information that we've received is that sometimes that, you know, it, it can take a week or two weeks. Those things are are uh, very difficult and, of course, put her in, in some jeopardy as well. Um, but, yeah, she's making the same decision as the, the basically the abortionist did when they were scheduling for her. Yeah. So uh, on, a, on a slightly different angle or topic, when, when a woman takes this late in pregnancy because there is no medical supervision uh, and she's further along in her pregnancy than what the abortion pill will well, then what it's, you know, what the paperwork says to take it. Um, what, are, what are the consequences or the, the risks associated with a woman who takes it later than, than suggested slash recommended by the paperwork? Well, what we understand from our friend, Dr. Delgado, who's done a lot of research along this line and was the, the founder of the abortion pill uh, reversal network, uh, but what we understand is that the further along the baby is, the less effective the uh, the mifepristone is in particular. Um, and so, it, more than but more than likely, it's, if she's trying to do something on her own, a DIY abortion, or she's now introducing more uh, more pills, you know, that, so there are some instances we've heard of when uh, you can order these pills from outside the country, and they're arriving. They're not arriving as a single dosage, you know box, they're arriving as multiples. So she, if she begins to take things into her own hands and kind of create her own abortion experience by adding to that, she's just going to create more opportunities for uh, uh, what we know is a, is a result of mifepristone, which is hemorrhaging, uh, that she's going to create more opportunities for difficulties to arise for her and can likely end up in the emergency room. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So going back to the pricey clinic, so pregnancy clinics, essentially, you need to consider, it sounds like the, the encouragement would be to look at having hours of operation with your phone service, your chat service, um, essentially to, to extend those hours beyond the operation hours of the brick and mortar to essentially possibly match or surpass, or at least maybe, maybe the goal might be to match the abortion clinics in the area um, or to match the data that's, that's recognized here, which is to include Friday and some and Saturday as being just as important as the current days. Um, sounds like that's really the encouragement, it sounds like. It is. And it's ways, I, I particularly think that this is an important way for us to kind of rethink what who's available for the, for this missional outreach, right? You know, we, we have more and more people who are available at home who are quite comfortable with their remote work job uh, out of their house and uh, thinking like, well, I do that, you know, that 40 hours a week or more uh, when I'm working and, and I have a quite comfortable setup that I, you know, I'm quite comfortable with the technology. I can work from my, my, with uh, the comfort of my home and take some of these calls. I think we're going to need to raise up a generation uh, of remote uh, missionaries into the mission field created by abortion who can who can do this from their home who are willing to 
take time from their family, but not too much time that they have to go into the into an office, they have to drive somewhere to be somewhere else, but that they're able to do it right from the comfort of their own home and be a part of, say, a, a digital outreach team or um, a, a, a kind of that uh, online uh, online health uh, telecare opportunity. That's one of the things that we've been doing to help stretch our solutions so that we have the ability to do uh, uh, video conferencing and and chat and and uh, of course um, texting as well. Like all of these things are ways that we're we're going to need to be communicating more robustly. Now, pregnancy centers have been doing many of those things for a long time, but we have to think differently in this day and age when she's able to access. Uh, really, she's able to kind of close the, the, the research on abortion faster. She's able to affect the abortion much faster. Uh, and, and more simply, we have, to, we have to get find ways to get into her path so that we can begin to talk to her quicker. And which also kind of goes against the idea that we still have many pregnancy centers that are operating where, you know, she's not really a client until she enters the building like that, that dynamic has to change in our mind. We have to start thinking about her really more dynamically as she's making, she's actively making that decision now, whenever you talk to her, like she, so to get, to get Mm. that connection of that warm voice, that caring compassion that we are so good at that uh, I believe is anointed, but we, we shouldn't let our, our kind of past structure hold us back from uh, really stepping into what I think is going to be a new era for outreach in our pregnancy help world. Yeah, I agree completely. And so, would, so Drell, would you, would you help us um, just lift these ideas to God by maybe closing us in a prayer that will allow us just to sort of, yeah, focus our desire and need and call out to God for help in this space. I would love that opportunity, Jacob. Thank you very much. Well, Father, I know that you have called us into a new place that you have designed and desired that now is the time for Roe to go. And Lord, that puts us in a a new footing. It puts us on new ground. And Lord, just like 50 plus years ago, you raised up the pregnancy help movement uh, for the culture and for the the need then, Lord, I pray that you adapt us for what lies ahead, Lord, that you make us uh, uh, digital missionaries as well as uh, being willing physically to step into someone's life and help them walk through that. May we have the opportunity to do both, Lord, but give us the opportunity to reach her in in, in the moment that she's making those decisions, Lord, and before she cl- she closes the loop and pursues the abortion in such a way that we we only have limits after that. We thank you that you empower us, Lord, with understanding, with opportunity, with innovation, that you equip us for the ability to reach her in her time of making that decision. Lord, you have been doing that through the pregnancy help movement for decades now, Lord. Help us in this new era to do it in a new way, uh, but with your complete anointing and with your spirit power. We thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen. Our sponsors include Heritage House, Patriot Insurance, and iRapture.com. The Pro-Life Team Podcast is a ministry of iRapture.com. If you would like to explore making a donation or becoming a sponsor or have a recommendation for who would be a good guest on the podcast, please contact us at hello at prolife.team.
shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green. He leads me by quiet blue. Yeah, the walk through darkest valleys, you are me, I mean. Your protection guides are comforting me. Leave me in righteous pathways for your name. 